Welcome to the Power Hour. I'm Adrienne Herbert, wellness coach, international speaker and author. Each week I speak to a variety of guests from business founders to Olympic athletes, leading coaches, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, their rules to live by and what motivates them to get up out of bed each day. Personally, I am on a mission to encourage, motivate and inspire. So I hope that the Power Hour will help you to achieve your personal and professional goals. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. The aim of this show every week is to motivate and encourage you, the listeners, to take action and to make positive change to your lifestyle, career, health, relationships. And I know that my guest today shares the same passion and the same energy for this as me. Welcome to the Power Hour, Joe Wicks. Thank you so much for inviting me on and I'm very much looking forward to our chat because, yeah, we do have a similar mission, right, to get people feeling good and moving and feeling happier in life. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, everybody knows that you have been motivating people to take care of themselves with movement, diet and lifestyle advice for years. I'm sure many of the listeners probably worked out with you during lockdown, or at least their kids did, my son did. And now you've got a brand new book, Feel Good in 15. And this book, I've been lucky enough to see an early copy, and it is full of lifestyle hacks, recipes and exercise so Joe, I guess I want to dive straight into all of it, but I wanted to start off with asking you, with the newest book, who was in your mind when you wrote this? Who did you create this book for? Well, I always think about, you know, the different factors in life that stop people from moving and the friction and the barriers that stop people from taking that first step or from cooking that first recipe. And so I'm always thinking about that, you know, the, it's, it's for everyone essentially, but people that really don't believe they've got time and really don't believe they can find time to look after themselves especially as parents you know I've got three young kids myself and you often end up looking after somebody else and neglecting your own health your own physical and mental health so it's really about giving people that belief that you can feel good in 15 minutes and it may not be a hit workout or a really intense strength training session but it could be a little mobility routine or it could be even a little activity with your kids before bed or something that is like non-screen activities that you could do you know without your phone in your hand so I'm really passionate about that to kind of little kind of lifestyle hacks that you can do and it could it could vary from things like you know meditation but even that I find difficult to things like you know listening to podcast or doing a cold shower like little things that people might not have tried that really can boost your mood elevate your kind of mindset and hopefully have a knock-on effect for the rest of your day hmm. yeah well as you know see the power hour I talk to people about taking one hour and even that you know some people go oh gosh I'm so busy you know all these different commitments I can't take a whole hour and obviously you're suggesting for people that 15 minutes is all all you need no matter how busy you are hopefully you can find 15 minutes in the day but what would you so what would you say to anyone who says well 15 minutes, you know, is that really enough? Is 15 minutes going to make a big difference? Because ironically, I feel like some people, if they feel like they don't have time, they will do nothing. So they'd rather do nothing because they say, oh, I don't have time for, as you said, a whole hour class or to do a, a 10K, but I don't have time. So they do nothing. But then they'll say, well, 15 minutes, what, what's the use of that? So, yeah, how much impact can we, how much impact can 15 minutes really have? Well, I think, you know, in, 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 I say in the introduction, you know, that 15 minutes in isolation won't change your life, but these kind of things compound. So let's just say one of the hacks is, you know, you're going to spend the first 15 minutes of the day not looking at your phone um, and using that time to have a little stretch or to do some breathing or a bit of journaling, something positive to, to, to give you something to focus on because 
there's a lot of pressures going on in the world. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of overwhelming stuff that's happening. That if you just plug straight into your phone, straight into the news, into social media, you're you're plugged into that algorithm. You're seeing all this stuff that is going to affect your mood, and it, it it does then have a knock-on effect to the food you have for breakfast, to the choices you make around movement. So, I do believe 50 minutes is a powerful number because, you know, I talk about things like um, you know, reading your kids' stories at bed. Like, you might think, well, how's it going to make me feel better? But it releases a chemical called oxytocin. It's like the love hormone where you bond. And so, you know, we're so used to just being from iPhone to iPad to TV. We we stop to do the little things that mean a lot. And so I think it can be transformative. Um, and I think it has a knock-on effect. So let's just say you, you do a 50-minute workout and suddenly you're making better food choices. And mm. you go, you know what, I'm just going to go to bed a little bit early tonight because I want to have a bit more energy tomorrow. And it, it is. It's a massive impact. And I don't think... I, I talk about the 15-minute thing, but you could do two in a day or four in a day and you've done your hour. So it may not be a condensed hour in one go like you might be, be, be talking about, which I do think is amazing. But yeah, sometimes, like you said, an hour is an overwhelming amount of time for someone, mm. especially if you've got three kids. I've got a five-year-old, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And some days it goes to plan. And other days, like my little boy woke up today a really angry little person. I don't know what was wrong with him. And it, I was stressed out. Rosie mm. was stressed out. And I said, Marley, if you carry on, we're going to really, we're all going to be shouting at each other in five minutes' time. What's wrong? And he just wanted a cuddle. So I said, come on, let's have a cuddle. And he was fine. And other days, they're asleep and I do my workout and everything's smooth. So you've got to allow flexibility in your life and a bit of movement and and just convince yourself that you can find time to cook and you can find time to move. Because if you don't, what are your options? A sedentary life where you're depressed, you're you're eating junk food, you're anxious. It's like we have no option. We have to find time. Mm. And like I know it's hard when you're someone who maybe you work night shifts or you've got two jobs and you've got money worries and there's loads of things. But you have to be willing to find some time for yourself because that all those problems just um, they amplify even more. I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's so so important because. As we've both said, the world is busy and we all have commitments and, and jobs and kids and all these stresses. And I think this idea that, you know, I often talk about reclaim your time because if you don't, no one, you know, the time will just pass and you'll never, we're always made to feel, I think, that the world makes us feel as though there's not enough time. We're always rushing. You know, we can't actually stop and turn off the phone or, you know, decide I'm going to just sit here and do nothing, actually do nothing for 15 minutes. That might be the best thing you could do in that moment. Um, But also something that you talk about a lot, which I really wanted to get into today, is prep. Now, you advocate for preparation. And I think that whatever it is in life, I honestly feel like the key to success is preparation. And it sounds so silly, but it changes everything. It changes your mindset. It can make you a lot less stressed, more organized. And you say in the book, planning will make your life easier. So could you give us, I suppose, your top three things that we need to think about and consider when it comes to preparation and why preparation is so important? So I've been using this term since the early days. I used to say, um, you know, prep like a boss. And what that means is, you know, it's just taking control of, of what you're eating, of what you're going to put in your food basket if you're shopping online or in the supermarket and when you're going to find time to exercise because if you don't really prioritize and sort of put it in your diary it's unlikely to happen you end up relying on ultra processed foods on the go the whole time and so although i don't do like a whole week's worth of cooking i will just plan and go right i'm going to make this monday this on wednesday i'm going to do a big batch of it and i'm going to make sure that's covering me for the you know the next couple of days and it's such a simple lifestyle switch that when you do it you realize actually it's less stress you're doing less cooking overall less dishes and you can just heat up a little bit of pasta and you know whack it in with a bolognese and you've got a lovely meal and so it really is transformative because if you don't if you're someone that really does rely on you know breakfast on the go and grabbing a lunch sandwich and a meal deal and then getting a take on the way home 
90% your diet is ultra processed food. So mm. we're never going to live in a world where it's completely cut out. It's unrealistic. And we're going to want to have our treats and everything. But by shifting your mindset and thinking, right, I want to take control of what I want to, I want to have some ownership over the food I put in my body and what I fuel my gut with, you know, it really comes down to like cooking more. You know, you could be even cooking like unhealthier stuff, but as long as you're cooking yourself at home, you're removing so much of that convenience food, you know, grabbing chocolate bars and relying on energy drinks and bags of crisps. And so I do think, you know, the best thing is to prep your meals and just batch cook where you can. Hmm. Um, and I mean things like, Overnight oats, chili con carne, like veggie curries, bolognese, you know, you know, pasta and pesto, things like that are just like a quick and easy. You can eat it cold or you can eat it warm. Mm. And it is life changing, especially as a as a parent. Yeah. To know that when you walk in you've got something in the fridge. Like and like I said, I don't have like Tupperware boxes stacked in the fridge with labels on. I'm not that hardcore, but <laughs> just doing one or two nights a week, it really helps. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the food meal prep, definitely. And also taking that same idea and applying it to other things in your life. So prepping, and this is going to sound silly, but you, especially as a mum, you say to your kids, get your stuff ready the night before. It's like it's such a nag. But actually, if you do it for yourself, so for example, planning what you're going to wear the night before, that was something that last year I was like, I, my husband is very punctual. He doesn't like to be late and he doesn't like lateness. And I think before marrying him, I was probably a bit more relaxed about it. And so now I was like, okay, this is something, Adrian, you've got to sort it out. You need to be on time. You can't be late. And so prepping what you're going to wear the night before, everything, it's there. You, everything from your shoes, accessories, jacket, bag, all of it, your outfit, it put together. It could be what you're going to, if you're going to work out in the morning, my husband, again, before before he goes to bed, he'll literally get the weights that he wants. He'll put the mat out. If he's going to do an online class or, you know, he's downloaded it, he's selected the class, he's literally selected the class. He's got it on the iPad. He's ready to go because then at 5.30 or 5.45, whatever time you get up, you've got no decision making. There's no like, what am I going to do? Where's that, you know, kettlebell? You literally you just, before you, you know, you just open your eyes and everything's there ready for you to go. So I think even prepping other things in your life, just like you do with the food, as you said, it just makes your life easier. Yeah, there's definitely power in that, that, that you said about those small little um, micro decisions that you're making, say 50 decisions before you even get out of the house. And it's like removing some of those is like, again, it's re- reducing the friction. And at the end of the day, everyone's trying to do good things in their lives, but it can feel overwhelming. Like it's, you've got to be perfect with your food, your sleep, you got to be breathing, having cold showers. It's almost like it's too much. And there's a few like parody accounts, isn't there, where they're showing like the dream day for an like, influencer. And it, it's not always that way. And you think like you can't put yourself in this under this pressure to be the perfect human being every day. But little things that can kind of defend yourself against certain things and, you know, immunize against like the desire to want to just get takeaways on the way home or rely on a, you know, a, a chocolate croissant and a, and a coffee and a, and, a, and a chocolate bar for breakfast. Because this is the world we live in where we're, we're so exposed to convenience food that you've got to take a bit of control. And I know it's annoying, but batch cooking and cooking at home like is, is the answer to it because it's the only way you're going to be in control of the food you eat. Mm. Um, I also like doing, um, you know, planning my workouts and say, right, I'm going to, you know, and it always doesn't go to plan. But I like you said, I do like to plan. I'm going to do a Peloton Monday morning. Wednesday, I'm going to do a hit session. Thursday, I'm filming. So just so you've got a little structure and if you can follow it, great. If you don't, not the end of the world, but if you don't factor it in, you could have a whole week of being sedentary and just sort yeah. of putting it off and going, oh, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow. And then a month goes by and you haven't exercised. 
Well, yeah, that's something I wanted to talk to you about is I'm big on goal setting. So I love to set goals. I've done goal setting workshops. I help people to set goals in their personal and professional life. And I know some of the, I guess, I've, you know, went down the rabbit hole of the science of goal setting and how actually our actions and our behaviours change. Once we set a goal, if we write it down, apparently we are 40% more likely to do it. And we know that within habit formation, Having, for example, streaks, so saying, okay, I'm going to do this every day for 10 days or for 30 days, for a lot of people can be a real game changer. It can keep them motivated. Whereas for other people, they'll say, oh, no, it's too much pressure. You know, every day can't be can't be perfect. And so just do whatever you feel like or just, you know, aim for 50 percent or something like that. So I wanted to ask you, Joe, what would your advice be? Of course, you know end of the year December time obviously it's dark it's cold like a lot of people are becoming more sedentary at this time of the year so what are your thoughts on goal setting do you set goals for yourself do you encourage others to set goals and and um yeah I guess top tips for for seeing those goals through I think you're right about goal setting I think it's so powerful and there's a lot of psychology around writing it down to one level and saying it out loud to another and sharing it with your friends and your communities even another level of like integrating it into like bringing it to kind of life but I'm not a massive, um, you know, New Year's resolution kind of guy, but I do like setting fitness challenges or goals. And one of the biggest goals I set and I'm really trying to stick to is like going to bed at a certain time because, you know, like when I get into a show, let's say, you know, the new Beckham show or it's Breaking Bad, it's like I could easily stay up till midnight every night, but then my power hour disappears. It doesn't yeah. exist. I cannot go to bed at midnight and expect to wake up at 6am and do it. So there's a bit of a balancing out to ever like you sort of think well what do I really want what am I trying to achieve tomorrow and so the biggest goal for me is can I get to bed by 10 p.m every night that's my dream like to be asleep at 10 um up at 6 a.m and that hour between 6 and 7 like it's amazing if you can do it but I'm really conscious if I don't and I, and I stay up till midnight I say to myself just don't even set the alarm don't force yourself to do it because you haven't got the energy and so mm. I think a sleep routine is really important um and yeah setting a goal that's beyond like a physical thing like so beyond a visual thing like oh i want to lose weight or I'd, i want to i want to like you know look a certain way but if you can set a goal like this year i'd love to do an iron man or a triathlon or that's a bit extreme i know you love marathon and stuff but <laughs> i i'm i'm thinking this year i'd like to do a um a triathlon you know maybe a sprint distance one yeah so i just think yeah to have those things in the calendar it's it gives you something to train for more than just like look in a certain way if you know what I mean definitely and definitely during the winter because I'll be honest with you I, I do love to run but I am a fair weather runner as soon as it's cold and you know I've got all the layers I've got all the gear I've got the gloves and I still moan because I'm like it's so cold but if I've got a race that I'm training for if I've got a half marathon a marathon whatever I know I'd rather do the training in the winter in the cold I'd rather get it done and turn up at the start line feeling prepared I, there's nothing worse I don't know if you've ever done this yourself but there's nothing worse than getting to the start line of a race that you have not trained for and not prepared for the whole race is just misery so I feel like for me the only not the only reason but the main reason when people think oh Adrian you know often people will say to me that they think I'm really consistent and disciplined and I'll be honest with you it's only because I have a race in the diary so as soon as you sign up to that triathlon you've that's it you've got a training plan you know yeah, it's part of your definitely. life because you've signed up well I'll, I'll tell you my marathon story just for any listeners that are training for the marathon this year i turned up to the london marathon in 2016 and i hadn't i was really busy i was the books blowing up i was working and i thought i'll be all right i'll turn up and i'd only ever really ran sort of you know 10k at that point so i turned sure. up my mate i turned up my friend and i ran the first half really quick i ran the first half in one hour 45 right because i was keeping up with my friend 
And then from that point on, my knee started to go, I don't like this, what's happening? I had this unbelievable pain in my knee and it took me six and a half hours to finish the race. So I'm like, I was literally hobbling for the last 13 miles and it took me like literally four and a half hours because by the time I got to the end, they were sweeping up the mile, you know, there was no one there because I was coming through at the very last thing because I just hadn't trained so, and I haven't done one since. But, but also, I do believe in preparation. You've got to train for it. Respect the race, man. Oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> the listeners obviously can't see my face, but I'm just like, oh my gosh, Joe. Because I think it's a common thing. I think actually I was speaking to somebody this week about the fact that marathons have become so popular. And on the one hand, it's brilliant to see people taking on a physical challenge like a marathon, you know, committing to it. I want more people of all different ages, shapes, sizes, colours. I want everybody to feel as though it's something that's accessible for them to be able to lace up and hit the road. However, I think because marathons have become so popular, it's like, oh yeah, sign up for a marathon, do a marathon. People underestimate, actually, that it's 26 miles, 26.2 miles of running. And it's without the training. I mean, firstly, I can't even imagine. People listening to that probably like, oh yeah, that sounds tough. You must have literally, at mile 14 or 15, when you're in pain, your knees you know, in pain, you're hobbling along. It's not like you've got 10, 10 more minutes to get through half a marathon you know it's such a challenge for the body and I think I really want people to hear that and go actually yeah it doesn't mean you can't do it I would always encourage you to you can do it but really take it seriously and take seriously the fact that you've got to prepare your body and your mind to to take on something like that because you would you agree people are kind of seeing things online now and just being like oh so people say it to me why don't you do an ultra and it's like they just sign up to these things because it looks good and everyone gets that dopamine rush of like oh I've signed up for this yeah, everyone goes sure. well done but then you actually have to prepare properly well that was my lesson i learned it that day because you know i've had a kind of had an injury ever since that moment we have this really tight piriformis and my it band and i think it stems from that because i'm not lying i was hobbling along and it's because i was on instagram live and i was i'd built up this thing that i'm gonna do it and i just thought oh, i'll do here i'm fit i'll be fine but my body like my joints were not willing to do that they were just like i can't you know so you've really got to respect the distance and take that time to build up to it yeah because you know i was literally getting overtaken it's funny but i got overtaken by a man um, dressed as a giant pair of testicles. He was running for <laughs> testicular cancer. So I'm getting overtaken by the grandparents, the the people with with you know with um, Zimmer frames and dressed as like elephants and rhinos and things. Because you know I just couldn't walk, but I didn't want to give up. So I should have just stopped really. But I thought I'm going to finish it. And honestly, six and a half hours it took me. And that's a lesson in you know un- not not preparing your your joint. You might mentally think I can run that distance, mm. but. I ran too fast and I just didn't pace myself and also I didn't train enough. So I'm yeah. my, I'm my to blame. And I, I really didn't enjoy the London Marathon because of that. Yeah. Maybe I'd have loved it if I'd trained and gone, oh, the energy's amazing. But I was in so much pain that, you know, I didn't enjoy it one minute of it really even the running at the start when I was going quick I still hated it <laughs> so painful honestly Joe you're not alone a lot of people have these marathon stories my first London marathon story wasn't like that but it wasn't great either I didn't love it either I was crying and I was just like I wanted it to be over um, but it does get better if you do it again yeah. how then, have you done now uh, the London marathon only two I only did it twice I did it, the, I did it this year so if you ever decide that you want to have a redemption marathon and you go okay I'm going to do it again then please give me a call I'll train and, with you uh, yeah you can yeah, be my coach I, I need it you and uh maybe yeah i'm sure people would be there cheering you on every step of the way and i promise you with the right prep that experience would be so different and hopefully you would love it yeah next time maybe next year all right well back to the show because we could talk honestly get me talking about running and that's it so as i mentioned i I got to see the book um early and i think one of the things i was i suppose i was expecting to see recipes i was expecting to see workouts but one of the things that i really enjoyed seeing in the new book was 
the focus on lifestyle and relationships and the part about, you know, making time for your partner, making time for your kids. You know, you mentioned you've got three young children. And I think that often when people in the world of well-being and when people think about, okay, this this is my time to get healthy, to get focused, they might think, right, what's in the fridge? I'm going to change my diet or, all right, I'm signing up to the gym again or they're going to do something physical or even, you know, they might think about their mental health and go, right, cool, downloading an app. I'm going to do some meditation. However, I think the lifestyle part around relationships and around really actually investing in those relationships is something that is often overlooked but can have such a huge impact and does have such a huge impact on our health and well-being. So why did you want to include that? And um, yeah, let's get into it. There's a section in the book called Valuing Your Partner, which I, I think is so important because, you know, when you're sometimes in your own little world and you're thinking, I'm busy and I'm stressed and I've got all these responsibilities, you sometimes forget what your partner's doing. And so I'm really verbal about that. I really appreciate Rosie because she, she's a full-time mum, you know, and she looks after three kids and that is a job and it's the hardest job in the world because for me, like a day of filming workouts on a location is easier than being with my three kids all day because it's so exhausting, it's mentally draining. And so I tell her, you know, I say, I appreciate you. Thanks for getting the kids to school this week or thanks for, you know, being patient with our children because it takes so much energy to be a calm, patient parent. And, you know, I tell her that I say thank you and I help her find time for herself you know I'll have the kids go and do a workout or you look tired go to bed bed earlier or I'll I'll do the school run I think it's so important to have that teamwork where you can and even if you can't be there every day like that but just being emotionally supportive and saying I know you've had a tough time you know do you want a foot rub or do you want to go and have a bath little things like that. it's just those little moments that really make someone feel appreciated and then you you know then it's a, a vice versa thing you know your parent your partner also appreciating the, the things you do you know because you both bring so much to a relationship and I always imagine if Rosie disappeared tomorrow imagine I've had to do everything I'm doing now and on top of those responsibilities and then you start to feel a bit more grateful and you start mm. to think you know what she might do um you know less physical stuff but she's emotionally drained every day and I'm just trying to be a bit more compassionate and patient around that because you know when it's just you and your partner it's like that you're the centre of their world and then suddenly there's all these other people taking that attention and you've got to be you've got to compromise and understand that, you know the kids are going to come first and I think it's just about having that understanding and communicating right mm. so when I have my kids with us we go for dinner we don't have iPads or anything but we'll have like Dobble and we'll have um, oh my gosh Dobble the best Dobble the is best. amazing we've, yeah. got, we've got loads of Dobbles and we've also got Uno and you know you do the games but there's no point talking. I can't have a 10-second conversation, Rosie. Don't bother talking to me, Rosie. There's no point because you get interrupted by the kids. But when we go home, it's like, can we just have that moment to just, you know, have a catch-up? How's your day been? What's going on? Because sometimes we just forget to even do that. We'll sit there watching Netflix or you sit on your phones and you don't even ask, like, what have you been up to today? Yeah. So I do believe in that slowing down, enjoying moments and actually talking. Um, and the same with the kids. You know, I've got three kids and they all want my attention. And I love story time. So it's like, right... I've got to do a little bit of one kid and a little bit of another, but sometimes it's finding time to do things separately, like going out for an hour with one child as opposed yeah. to... Because Indy's quite dominating. She's quite... um, She's the bigger one, and she's obviously like... She just like takes most of the attention, and my little boy, I can see, struggles with that sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, these things matter, and also friendships with your... If your mum and dad are still about, like, reach out, connect, because you can be happy with work, and you can be happy with like your life but if you're cl not close to your parents and friends you can feel quite sad and lonely at times and I think it is a really important part of mental health yeah gosh Joe. I honestly think because I know you're so popular I feel like everyone anytime you mention your name people go oh he's so great and he's so lovely and I think for any of 
of the women that didn't love you before they definitely will now after hearing all of that and uh, i guess one part because i completely agree with you i think that you know the relationship part is so important and i'm incredibly grateful to to my husband and we you know we've got a blended family so there's lots of moving parts and you know parenting challenges and work challenges but i think it's yeah it, I'm, i don't take it for granted actually that i have a part like that but i know that when i've done uh talks about this and i did one recently and one of the questions i got at the end was about okay, let's say you're in that mindset and that headspace that says, okay, I want to work on my health and it's really important to me. And, you know, they've got the, they've, they've just downloaded a podcast or they've got the new book and they're thinking, okay, I want to start making some small changes, but they might feel as though their partner or the person that they live with is a bit of a blocker. So, you know, we all know that that can happen. Sometimes people go, oh, come on, why are you, do- oh, you doing that gym thing again? Or, oh, come on, have a glass of wine when they've said they're not drinking or they might not feel like they're getting that appreciation that you've just described so yeah what advice I suppose would you give to anyone who feels like actually they're trying to go on this journey but maybe their partner doesn't really want to go on it with them I think that's very common you know in relationships because some people deal with stress differently like I deal with stress by working out I also I am quite an emotional eater I do binge and I blurts and stuff but but some people find um they become introvert they bottle things up you know and I think the most important thing is communication because I sometimes, me and Rosie don't argue verbally, but we ignore each other. It's so childish, but we, we give each other silent treatment <laughs> and it can last three, four days sometimes. Well. And you're, you know, you're arguing in your head thinking, she's going to say this and why, do, why is she making me feel like that? And you start having these arguments and it's just such a waste of time and we're getting better because we're trying to like nip it in the bud a bit sooner. But ultimately, when you actually just have a little cuddle or a little kiss and you have a chat, you suddenly just heal the wound, you know what I mean? And you both take your defence me- defense walls down. But I think the most important thing, if you don't feel supported by your partner and they're like, they're getting takeaways and they're, they're having blowouts and they're, um, you know, at the weekend, like putting you into situations where you're really tempted and you're, you find that you are, your willpower just decreases. It's just trying to understand, you know, speak to them and say, look, I really need your support because when you're doing it, I'm doing it. Mm. When you get the takeaway and you're getting the Ben and Jerry's, I'm eating the Ben and Jerry's. So can we please <laughs> together, like, let's just have a weekend off like where we focus on health and well-being and, you know, maybe they'll buy into it or maybe they won't, but maybe they deal with stress and say, well, why do you want to eat a tub of Ben and Jerry's and get a pizza hut tonight? And maybe they've got a lot going on in their mind that they're not telling you about because mm. sometimes as, as parents, male and female, you want to just put on a brave face and be like, I'm cool, I'm hustling, I'm a grind, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm working hard, I'm a, you know, I'm a boss, but it can still emotionally be wearing you down and stress can build up in your body. And so I think you've just got to keep talking. It's so important. Um, and, you know, do it at proper talking with, without your phones. Leave your yeah. phones, like, leave your phones in the car and go for a walk around the park or, you know, watch, even if you watch TV, sometimes just watch TV on the same sofa without your phones. Like, that's a win, right? You know, when sometimes you both put your phones out. So it's like trying to break those barriers down, but I think you've just got to communicate on both sides really about how you're feeling and yeah. why one of you wants to have a blowout and drink booze and have a bottle of wine and the other one wants to do a workout and, and go to the gym in the morning and yeah. it's allowing both of you to d- have those moments and not judge each other I think yeah it's great advice and I think it's a real challenge of course you know it's hard to do it it's hard enough to do it as it is let alone if you've got someone there kind of going rolling their eyes and going oh come on you know I think it's really hard and I've heard that time and time and time again so I really wanted to ask you about that 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So we talked about relationships and obviously for people who are in relationships, the, the pros and cons, I suppose, of trying to support one another. What about for those who don't? Now, loneliness is something that has been on exponentially rising since the pandemic. And I think a lot of young people have said that they feel and experience loneliness. And you've mentioned quite a few times about, you know, the phone, leave the phone. And for some people, you know, it's a real lifeline in terms of connecting to a community, whether that's online. I'm sure people have reached out to you um, and they, they've joined an online community and that that can be great. But for anyone who, yeah, I suppose is struggling and feels like, actually, I don't have that interpersonal relationship or I don't have that um, in my life and, and they do feel lonely do you think that going online using social media finding a community do you think that that is a, a good option is there something else that they should be thinking about how can people find I suppose a community and start to maybe build new healthy relationships I definitely think <clears throat> I definitely think social media has an amazing ability to connect people of course you know especially if you are living quite an isolated life but I don't think anything replaces interaction with human beings it could be your mum it could be your dad it could be you know an old school friend and I think sometimes we forget how important like we are human creatures and we obviously with social media and technology we are voluntarily kind of isolating ourselves and yeah the pandemic accelerated that because now we think it's normal to you know I was thinking the other day like my mum will whatsapp me and I'll send her a voice note like I don't even call as much as I used to and I'm I'm, sh- I'm ashamed about that and embarrassed that I don't want to call my mum but I now go you know what just find the time and call her and have a chat because it's not the same as a voice note, although although it's a nice thing to reach out and just say, good morning, have a nice day, I love you. It's not the same as a two-way conversation, how's your day been? So I'm I'm constantly trying to pick up the phone more mm. and actually have those moments. And also, yeah, like finding time to meet my dad. We go out on motorbike rides, meet my brothers separately and obviously get my mum together and try and do things with the family because if you don't, a year goes past and, you know, mum's getting on and my dad's getting on. And I, I'd hate to... My biggest fear, the only fear in life I have is regretting when my parents died that I didn't... When my parents died that I don't spend enough time with them. So I'm always thinking, right, come on, let's just get together and do something. Let's mm. have a weekend away or go for dinner. And you've, got to, you've literally got to put in the diary because bo- you both won't find time. My mum's always like, oh, you know, I feel like I'm bothering you. And I said, mum, like, sometimes mm. you just got to prompt me, but I st- of course I love you, I want to spend time with you, but you've got to work on that, bring those relationships together. And it's amazing. Like, if you went for dinner with your mum or dad and you haven't seen them for a few months, you come away from that, unless you're arguing about something, you know, sometimes you do, you just feel a little bit happier, a little bit calmer, knowing that your mum and dad are still there for you or you've got that support network. And, you know, I just don't think you can replace that. Yeah. I really think it's so important to to have those inter- interactions where you are together in person as opposed to through Zoom or through a WhatsApp video, you know, voice call. Yeah, well, I, when you, as soon as you said about in person, because I love in-person things, and even the fact we're sitting here today, together in a studio face to face you know a lot of podcast recordings now are done online and of course there's benefit to that but it's so much better isn't it you get to meet beforehand have a coffee have a conversation it doesn't you know it's not so transactional and I think more in the room things and picking up phone the phone as you said to actually call people and I think for anyone listening who maybe you know you've mentioned family quite a lot and you know it's great I think for people who have those parents that they can spend time with I don't and I know a lot of other people don't and I'm someone who you know I'm in my mid-30s 
companies and I'm someone who I was talking I think it was two weeks ago I met someone and we were you know at, um, in an event and I was chatting away to her at the table and I got on really well with this this woman I was thinking oh she's so great and it sounds so odd when you're like in your mid-30s to meet someone and be like I really want to be friends with this person like imagine if you were single you'd like ask someone a date I'm like how do you ask a friend a, a new person to be like do you want to be my mate like you're just so weird but I kind of made a joke of it and I just said you know I, I you know we've connected obviously now we're going to stay in touch I think I'm going to go and do one of her classes soon but it was just this idea that like in your mid-30s I think you know we joke about that kind of thing but it's no wonder people when they're saying oh if they feel lonely they might not have the confidence like someone like me to actually say to somebody hey do you want to grab a coffee or hey do you want to you know say for example people say sign up to team sports you know go and sign up to a team sports you're going to make friends or a running club I've heard that advice so many times but you can turn up to a running club stand there do the run leave and still not feel like you've made a friend it's so hard for adults to like we're not we're not children in the playground you want to join me my friend so yeah i think for people like myself it might be easier but if someone's more introverted and and i don't know just i really want to encourage people to say just don't be afraid to try because other people are probably sitting there as well thinking the same thing and you can actually make new friends in your 30s or 40s or 50s so it's so true and we do we sort of think that we've got locked in with our friends and that's it but you know not many people come into your life but when they do like there's a few people that come into my life in the last couple of years one of them actually is it's a random story but i had um like a bit of decking built in the end of my garden where I've got my ice bath. And it was the guy that was basically there doing that. He's a labourer, right? He was um, like a chippy or a labourer, whatever. He was doing the decking and um, he's such a lovely guy. And every day I was making him marmalade on toast and I was taking him cups of tea and stuff. And, you know, there was five guys on site. Um, so there was three guys on site. And he's the other two I didn't connect with. But with him, he's now one of my buddies. We got riding on the motorbikes. You know, he, he came to Spain with me in, in, on the holiday when, you know, and I invited my best friends and my dad. And so... Sometimes it's nice when you just feel that connection when someone's got a good spirit and a good soul and he's really wonderful. He's got a tattoo on his arm that says, boys cry too, you know, and I love mm. that when I saw it. I was like, he's my kind of guy because like, I'm quite sensitive and I'm I'm a bit of a mummy's boy and, you know, I just thought I'm going to get on with him and he's he, he, he wears his heart on his sleeve and he talks about mental health. and you know, So if you do find that connection, don't be frightened to sort of reach out and say, oh, look, take my number because once he left, if he left my house, I never would have seen him again. I said, listen, take my number and reach out if you want to go for a, a, a bike ride and... And now, you know, he comes around and we talk about stuff and he came around and we were talking about he's broken up with his partner and he's like, oh, you should get a therapist. I was like, yeah, maybe I should. So he's he's kind of become a really good friend out yeah. of nowhere just in the space of a year. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Joe, this is so funny because we had someone do our decking and I made him be friends with us as well. Really? But this guy, yeah, but this is a bit different because I feel like I um, I basically had a spare ticket to go and see Peggy Goo at Finsbury Park. And so I said to him, do you want to go to Peggy Goo on Sunday? And he was like, obviously, you know, he's a really nice guy. He was you know, chatting away with my husband and he was like, yeah go on then I'll come and again same thing it was like we went we had a great time he's such a bit it's funny because I always joke I'm like I made him be our friend I love so, that it's yeah. nice isn't it, to reach out and offer that you know invite someone that's a, a stranger because you know you've had a, now you've got a new connection it's lovely yeah so you hang out with me too much and I'll, I'll force you to be my friend Joe all right let's talk about the power hour so on this show, I ask every single guest, I've had so many different guests, different walks of life, and I ask them all about the first hour of their day, what they choose to do with it, how they spend that time, and also what they choose to avoid in that hour. Yeah. So I'm sure, as you can imagine, we've heard so many different things from swimming in the ocean to candlelit meditations to feeding the cat and getting the kids out to school. So Joe, can you tell us what does your power hour typically look like? So my power hour, my dream day, and I actually managed it this morning, which I'm really proud about, 
is going to bed at 10 p.m. and getting up at 6. So 6 a.m. because the kids are still sleeping. Um, first thing I do is I roll out of bed. Um, I don't use my phone as my alarm anymore. I've got a Lumi alarm clock, which is beautiful, like lights up the room and it's little birds tweeting. It's such a nice way to wake up. So that means I can leave my phone downstairs or on the balcony and I don't need it. Um, then I go straight, I you know, roll out of bed, I'm groaning, I'm aching a little bit, my Achilles heels are a bit tight. I stumble into the shower and it's bang, cold shower. And I don't, I'm not like the warm in and cold out, I'm cold in, cold out. So it's maybe 30 seconds, freezing cold, and that just kind of wakes me up and gets me alert. That's like my coffee, if you like. And I really do believe it has that benefit of the ability to actually energise you. Hmm. Cold shower for sort of 30 seconds to a minute. Get my kit on, you know, straight upstairs. And I'll do um, maybe 15 minutes of mobility. I've got really do- dodgy hips. So I do like um, the pigeon pose, the 90-90 um, hip flexor stretches. Just to like, it gently ease me into the hour. Because to jump straight on your peloton or straight into a hit, it's a bit much. So that's probably 15 minutes gone. And then I, I tend to do, yeah, like I, and I, I really love my Peloton or I'll do a 30 minute hit session. I've got lucky that I've got a little gym at home, so I've got the equipment. Um, or sometimes I just use it to stretch and I'll do an hour of stretching and I feel amazing. Like, because it's like I've done something, it's not, it's low energy, but it's like, it, it gives me um, a sense of achievement and I know it's good for my body. So that's kind of my workout time. Then I'll go downstairs quickly get dressed and then I'll do my breakfast so that's when the kids are awake so usually it's like you know pancakes or some porridge or um you know if we're in a rush it's granola with some fruit on top so yeah just quick things like that and I like that that time where dad's done his workout dad's calm so if my boy's having a mare and he's very emotional my little boy and I often think where's this little angry person come from because he doesn't I've not role modeled that to him Mm. you know I saw that as a kid my dad was shouting and swearing and my mum was really like aggressive and abusive verbally um and so i grew up in a very shouty household i want to look at and think where's the anger coming from dude like what is this little monster in you but it's just his nature and so when i do my exercise i've done my power hour i have the moment i can breathe and i can i can inhale and i can sort of tolerate him um but if not i am i do get wound up and i do like i do shout and i'm like i don't want to be a shouty i say molly i don't want to be a shouty daddy Mm. so the power hour helps me but it also helps how I interact with my children and that's when you realise that finding that time and committing to it and sort of setting the intention is setting you up for a positive start but it's allowing all the relationships around you to blossom and to be a little bit more positive and, yeah. I, and I think it's the same with my partner like I'm kinder I'm less snappy I'm more understanding like if I'm doing that power hour yeah um, and what I found about myself is I can't do it in the evening anymore I used to think I'd go up to the gym at like eight o'clock and I'd be in there like yeah like listening to like Fred again and like Eminem like yeah I'm going and I, I had that ability to sort of train late in the night but now I just don't want to do it in the evenings anymore I want to just be like do story time watch a movie or watch an episode of, of Netflix and go to sleep so I think for me shifting it if you can to becoming a morning person is truly transformative to your life I think mm. well there's two things actually I want to say so I'll come back to that part of shifting it to the morning but the first thing I think to say is just to like thank you for being so candid and so honest about the realities of parenting the challenges the emotional feeling that you're saying like oh you know I feel guilty I don't want to shout but because I think so many people they just you know, they don't see that side. And I think, you know, I have a friend in mind at the moment who her son's been being really challenging at the moment. Hopefully it's just an agent stage. But exactly what you just said, she's kind of like, I don't understand. She's like, why is he, you know, behaving this way? Why is he so angry and stressed and aggressive? Because her other child isn't like that at all. And, you know, they're so different. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? That as parents, sometimes people can think that it's all about them. It's what you've done. It's what you haven't done. It's the environment. It's, you know, you should have read this parenting book or you should have done this kind of uh, behavioural thing but actually their temperaments their nature who they are 
I always say you get to know your children. You don't you don't sculpt them and make them who they are. You get to know who, who they are and they're all different. And I think for anyone to hear that, it's probably like, if they're in that experience, they probably sigh relief going, oh gosh, it's not just me who actually, we're human. And I think, yeah, I think it's really admirable actually that you're so honest about that. Listen, I think it's important to be open and then be honest and transparent because my little boy Marley is so beautiful. He's, he's so sensitive and loving and kind, but he does, he switches. And I think, where does it come from? And it's in his nature to be a bit aggressive and a bit angry and he keeps walking his new thing is it's so funny because he woke up next to me like sometimes he comes into bed and he woke up next to me this morning and he was dreaming he went stupid girl because his <laughs> thing is stupid he doesn't swear but he goes stupid he's like you're stupid mummy like and he just and you think like he's just try he's trying really hard not to swear because I, I swear sometimes and he obviously knows swear words but you can see it's like it's his swear word he's like stupid and i think you know you've got to just be understanding and i read a really great book called there's no such thing as naughty it's about the the child, the adolescent's brain from like a, a zero to five years old, and understanding that they are very rational and they they don't have the wiring in their brain to connect, you know, rationale and be reasonable. So never take it personally. Understand mm. that they're just having their moment. They can't express how they feel. But do you know what the most powerful thing I've ever heard and what's really transformed my parenting is when you're in your moment where you want to scream and shout or slam the door or you want to just like throw your toys and move out the room and get away from the situation it's actually ask the child one simple question right and and nine times out of ten this always works in my little boy i say marley do you want a cuddle nine times out of ten he runs up to me he'll be crying we have a cuddle he, he calms down it calms me down because that's really it he's just trying to process his emotions um so next time your kids having a tantrum and having, having a bit of a meltdown just say listen darling do you want a cuddle do you want a cuddle with mummy or daddy and now he self-regulates he says I need a cuddle and he'll come to me and so it's a really simple thing that can really change the way you interact because if you man- if you match their behaviour mm. you have that little kind of you know like Tasmanian devil moment where you flip like you are Im- you're mirroring them and so you've got to try and just take a breath and say look come and have a cuddle have a few deep breaths and now like, I hear him going I'm going like, to blow the candle out and I go so he's learning breath work already like, blow the candle out blow yeah. the balloon up and um, it's powerful and he's only three and you know I, I wasn't modelled that. I I wasn't modelled that. I was shouted at and doors were slammed and I was like, you know, it's this hyper intense atmosphere. So you have to be a role model. You've got to it's mm. fight against all those urges, all that inner child you've got in you to like really like yeah. breathe it out. And then you actually go, you know what? I love you, dude. Come and have a cuddle. And then you just get on with it. And, you, yeah, and down, then 10 minutes later, they're at it again. No, yeah. And de-escalating it. And that environment piece is so important. And, you know, as you described, we've talked about, you know, the different impacts of our health. But our our nervous system, you know, is impacting 24 hours a day. So it's up, it's down. Things are impacting everything from the sound that we hear to scent, temperature, all of these things. And so, yeah, being able to actually, he's learning those tools at three years old to be able to go take a deep breath like down regulate kind of de-escalating that kind of feeling is such a such a powerful tool and as you said you're you're modeling that to him already other thing you mentioned when you said switching it from the evening to the morning so you were talking specifically of course about working out and for some people you know working out late they're going to be full of adrenaline cortisol like you said music pumping that's not relaxing that's not good to kind of do that right before you go to bed but I, as you can imagine someone has been talking for a long time about the benefits of morning and getting up some people are like adrian i don't want to hear it i'm not a morning person but you managed to just make that switch so yeah it is possible i think and you can tell us but to switch that if you're not naturally a morning person or you don't necessarily at the moment think oh first thing i want to do in the morning is work out 
give it a try and commit to kind of switching that and saying actually over time if I just try if I just keep keep at it keep at it keep at it not every day won't you might not jump out of bed with your alarm but you can actually switch can't you to making that I go I guess more normal even if you're not naturally a morning person yeah and you know it's not like I wake up with the energy every day but I think it's the motivation to like stick to the habit and know that I'll feel better at the end of it I'm my day's going to go better and I can take on the stresses of life my brother on the hand Nicky I've really tried to convince him he's the CEO of the body coach now and he's amazing but he he takes a lot of stress on and he, he manages 30 people and it's like intense I'm like dude try and do it in the morning like but he said he just can't do it he's tried and tried but you know I think some people generally can be you can be a morning you know morning person or a night out there's, there's science in terms of that but he, he's done it for a week or two maybe you've got to push it a little bit more do a month or mm. say you know I'm going to really focus on this do it for the 30 day challenge um, and it was it's very difficult if you're someone who st- if you start work at 5am I'm, I'm not expecting people to get up at 4am that's your heart that's your Mark Wahlberg your Dwayne Johnson <laughs> The Rock probably doing that sort of stuff but you know if you have a normal life where you sort of do a 9 to 5 if you can get that workout done I think it just makes you more positive and you make better food choices throughout the day you know so if you can give it a go and try and persevere for longer than a week because you i think you can definitely train yourself to get into that rhythm if you're going to bed early enough absolutely so there you go if you've listened to power hour for i don't know a long time or if you're a brand new listener this is the first episode that you've ever listened to then please do take that on board and think actually if i start with a power hour maybe i'm going to do an hour of walking or or workout or you know walk with my dog read whatever you choose to do stick with it as joe said for more than a week don't do it for three days and god tried that wasn't for me especially at this time of year it's difficult try and stick to it for 30 days and if you drop one day that's okay it's not like oh i've given up now go back to it go back to it keep trying and of course let me know let us know how you're getting on with that and uh have a scroll through all of the episodes there's so many people giving us inspiration and and motivation to use the first hour of the day really well so joe my last question for you tell all of the listeners when and where they can get their hands on a copy of the book feel good in 15 well, thank you for your lovely conversation. I think we've got such a similar mindset towards everything. It's lovely to hear you um, speak so passionately. So keep up the good work. And the, the podcast is amazing. Um, well, thank you for listening. And I hope you, yeah, if you want to get some of my content around workouts, I've got my free YouTube channel, which is called The Body Coach TV. Um, I've got my book, which is Feel Good in 15, which is out obviously now on Amazon and all, all kinds of shops um, online. And um, another thing, if you fancy it, you've got The Body Coach app where I do workouts and recipes, you know, if you want to get more of a tailored plan. But ultimately just know that, you know, if, if my workouts aren't your thing you might love my food or if you don't love my recipes you might like my workouts and just give it a go there's loads of free content it's all there on Instagram and um, yeah, I'm hoping that I can inspire you to get cooking and moving this year I'm sure you will thank you so much Joe. and as always thanks for listening and I'll be back next week with another episode see ya thanks Joe. thank you What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 